Well, it's good to see you this morning, and we're going to continue our series on uh, road trip songs, which were the psalms that the pilgrims actually sang on their way to Jerusalem. And today we're going to uh, read Psalm 125. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forevermore. The scepter of the wicked will not remain over the land allotted to the righteous, for then the righteous might use their hands to do evil. Lord, do good to those who are good, to those who are upright in heart, but to those who turn to crooked ways, the Lord will banish with the evildoers. Peace be on Israel. The word of God for the people of God. Well, this psalm uh, addresses some really relevant topics, fear and anxiety and evil, which um, leads um, to the next obvious topic, which is um, backsliding. Um, <laughs> that's an old word you don't hear much anymore, and it's sort of a, a theological tripwire in this psalm that I didn't see coming. There are a lot of Protestant denominations that believe in the Calvinist doctrine that's known as perseverance of the saints. It's more commonly known as once saved, always saved. It's the belief that if you pray and ask Jesus to forgive you and then you're baptized, that nothing that you can ever do will, will ever, you can never lose your salvation, that you're, you're going to heaven no matter what, that it's all taken care of. And uh, it's a popular doctrine among uh, evangelical churches. And this morning, yeah, I just wanted, if you come from an evangelical background and you've been taught this doctrine your whole life and taught that it's what the Bible says, not that it's one interpretation of what the Bible says, um, I don't want to cause you any anxiety or, or any, uh, uh, you know, any, any problem with that today. Um, and, and if you do have, if you do want to talk to me about it, I'd be happy to meet with you and we can look at the scriptures um, so, so I don't want to upset anyone who that, that's what they've always been taught to believe. But I think it's important for you to know, John Wesley didn't believe that. <laughs> and as Methodists, it's not a part of our beliefs either. Um, and as Methodists, I thought you should know that. Um, I thought you should you know, Wesley wrote several papers refuting it. Now, now, most of you are aware that I went to a Baptist seminary. Uh, perseverance of the saints is a cherished Southern Baptist doctrine. One of my professors, Dr. Dale Moody, got into trouble because he wrote a book um, in which he refuted that doctrine. And I happened to be in a class with Dr. Moody right after the book came out and the controversy started and all this trouble was, was brewing around. And in class one day, someone asked Dr. Moody, why would you write a book refuting a cherished Baptist belief when you teach at a Baptist seminary? And he told us this story that I will never forget. He said when he was a seminary student, like most of us in seminary, that he pastored a small country church. And in that church, there was a young woman who uh, had a few small kids, and she loved Jesus, 
She was doing everything she could to be a faithful disciple and a faithful follower of God. Um, her husband never came to church, and the people in the congregation told Dr. Moody that, you know, he, he never came to church. He didn't really believe in God. So one day, Dr. Moody decided to go see him. So he went to his house to visit him. And he was surprised when the man said, you know, I'm really glad you came because I've been thinking about uh, talking to you. I've been thinking lately that I would like to get saved, that I was I, ready to make that commitment. And so they prayed together, and he prayed and asked God to forgive him of his sins and you know, committed his life. And then they set a date for baptism. And so um, the whole church was excited that Sunday that Dr. Moody baptized him. And his wife and kids were there, and they were just full of joy. I mean, it was, it was a happy day for the whole church. It was, it was a joyous occasion. And the next Sunday, he wasn't there. And then the next Sunday, he didn't come back. So Dr. Moody went to see what was going on. And, and the husband told him, he said, well, you know, I don't have to go to church anymore. I know my wife and children are going to go to heaven, and so I didn't want, if something happened to me, I wanted to make sure I went to heaven too to be with them. And so now I've prayed and I've been baptized and I've got my ticket to heaven. And so when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. And so you won't be seeing me in church, but I'll see you in heaven one day. <laughs> now, unfortunately, Dr. Moody and... Uh, and you and I, all of us, have met people like that. People who think because they prayed a prayer and they got baptized, that that's all it takes. Who care nothing in the world about actually being a disciple of Jesus. They just want something that says they're going to go to heaven. And I know that the Calvinist out for that is to say, well, if that was their attitude, then they were never really saved in the first place. But you know, Wesley believed, and I think he's right, that salvation is a relationship. It begins with forgiveness or justifying grace, but then it must be followed by actually trying to be a disciple, what Wesley called sanctifying grace. And like any relationship, you can end it at any time. Salvation is not a one-time transaction. It is a lifelong relationship. They fired Dr. Moody for agreeing with John Wesley. Now, when we were in London last month, uh, Cindy and I went to the, the house of John Wesley, where he lived. Uh, if you want, guys want to go ahead and put the slide up. Um, oh, it's up there. Okay. Uh, he lived in this house for the last 11 years of his life. And this is interesting. This little room uh, is off to the side of his bedroom. And... Uh, that little kneeling bench, and that's where every morning at 4 a.m. he got up and prayed and spent time with God. Uh, it, it, was, it was really interesting to, to just stand in that room <laughs> uh, where someone like that had spent so many hours in prayer. When, when Dr. Moody was fired, uh, he decided to move from Louisville. He was around 70 at the time. So they ask, he asked a friend of mine if he would help him move. And so later, my friend Jerry told me that when he went to Dr. Moody's bedroom to move some furniture, that there was an altar by the window. 
um, where Dr. Moody prayed every day. And there in the wooden floor, he said, were the indentions of his knees. Where all these years, that's how he started his day. When I thought about the story and as I learned more about John Wesley, I, the two remind me of each other. Because when the thing you care about most is being a disciple of Jesus, it doesn't matter if you're a 20th century Baptist professor or an 18th century Anglican priest. God finds a way to use you. And our security in life should not lie in some doctrine, but in God. And that's what the psalmist is pointing out for us. As Eugene Peterson put it, the emphasis of Psalm 125 is not on the precariousness of the Christian faith, but on its solidity. First, he says, those who trust in the Lord will be like a mountain. And not just any mountain, Mount Zion. Those of you who put your trust in God, you are like Mount Zion. Now, we're a little short on mountains around here. But most of us have seen a mountain. And what image is more enduring, more stable? I mean, what can we imagine that's stronger and immovable than a mountain? If your faith is in God, you are like a mountain, he says. It's solid. It's unshakable. Nothing can move it. And he says, not only are we this immovable mountain, but God surrounds us like a chain of mountains. Now, uh, this was a visual that they actually had seen and, and we're about to see again because, you see, the city of Jerusalem sits on a mountain. It sits on Mount Zion. And Mount Zion is surrounded by these other mountains. And so when they were there, they could look around and see exactly what the psalmist was talking about. He said, you see this mountain, you see it's surrounded by mountains. This is what you are like when your faith is in God. And it's true both now and forever. Nothing can be more enduring than that. And when you think about it, I mean, the psalmist, he didn't have aspirin in his medicine cabinet at home. Uh, he didn't have penicillin in case he got an infection. He didn't have a government that spent hundreds of millions of dollars on military defense. What was he going to do if he got sick? What was he going to do if he got hurt? What was he going to do with all the threats of the nations around them? He's going to trust in God. That's where his trust was. And that's where he found comfort, and that's where he found assurance. Because those who, who trust in God are like a mountain, surrounded by mountains, who can endure whatever we go through. And and. When evil strikes, he's not afraid because he knows that evil will not last. Dr. Robert just said it this morning. He's not going to win in the end. <laughs> the evil will not last. God will have the last word. The psalmist says, the scepter of the wicked will not remain over the land allotted to the righteous. And this was his deeply held belief that evil will not last it will not win. Like St. John wrote in the prologue to his gospel, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness will not overcome it. And so this psalm tells us that there, there is faith. When we have faith in God, we, we know that evil will not win. 
And you know, the scepter of wickedness did fall on their land many times. Pharaoh, the Philistines, Tiglath, um, Teleser, Sennacherib, Nebuchadnezzar, Caesar, but none of them lasted. And this psalm reminds us that those who trust in God have faith that evil will not last. It will not win. It's a faith that's greater than our fear. And I'm reminded of the words of, of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who said that the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends toward justice. And he was quoting the abolitionist preacher Theodore Parker because he believed in God, he believed that evil could not win. And that's what gave him the strength to keep fighting. Because he believed wickedness would not have the last word. Injustice would not have the last word. God would have the last word. And I love how Anne Lamott put it. She said, God always bats last. <laughs> God always has the last word. And we live in a world that's dominated by fear and anxiety, fear over the future, fear over those who are different than us, fear over politics. But if we learned to sing this song, we would not be afraid because we would know that whatever it is that we fear, it will not last. God will have the last word. And the psalmist knew that if we give in to our fear, as he put it, the righteous might use their hands to do evil. And we can even see this happening sometimes. I've seen Christians out of fear turn to political tactics and things that they know are morally wrong in order to win. But if our faith is in God, we don't have to do that because we believe that God will win, that evil will not win in the end. And then the psalmist Ask God to do good to those who do good, to those who are upright in heart. Do good to those who do good. But then he says, but to those who turn to crooked ways, the Lord will banish. So, so do good to those who do good, but he said, for those who decide they don't want to follow you anymore and turn away, let them go. The psalmist is no Calvinist. So, so let me get to the heart of the matter of, of that verse. The idea of, of the perseverance of the saints, it gives some people comfort. Because some people worry that if they sin or if they make a mistake, they're going to lose their salvation and all is lost. When I was growing up, you know, we had revivals. Remember those? We used to have them twice a year. And the evangelists would come in, and if there weren't a lot of decisions the first couple of days, then they would start going down that road to, are you sure you're really saved? I think it was to get their numbers up for how many people they could claim had gotten saved or had repented from backsliding during their revival. But, you know, there was always a couple of people who every revival went forward and got saved again and got baptized again just to make sure, because they were worried that somehow they were going to lose all of that. And I think this doctrine of the perseverance of the saints was supposed to alleviate that, but it didn't seem to. And you know, at times, I imagine every one of us 
have felt like or wondered if we had lost our faith. Those times when we're depressed, when one calamity after another piles up on us, those times that we have doubts. But I want you to know this morning, it is not possible to unconsciously drift away from faith to no faith. So don't worry about that. We Methodists do not believe you can lose your salvation by making a mistake or committing a sin. But we do believe that if you intentionally go to God and say, I don't want to follow you anymore and I don't want to be a part of this anymore, God, because God honors our free will, will let you go. Because salvation is a relationship, it's not a transaction. So what I want to tell you is you don't need to worry. We don't need a doctrine of perseverance of the saints. We need a faith in a God who loves us so much that God will never give up on us. Ever. And that our salvation is not based on our performance. It is based on God's faithfulness. And even for those people who would go to God and say, I don't want to follow you anymore. I don't want to have anything to do with this. God is like the father in the parable of the prodigal son who stands and waits, willing and ready to receive and forgive again because that's just what God is like. And in our world of anxiety and fear and evil, I think this is an important song to learn how to sing. This is an important road trip song to have on our playlist. So don't be anxious. Don't be afraid. You are a mountain, surrounded by mountains. And the evil we see around us, it will not endure. Because God will have the last word. And the last word in this psalm is shalom. Amen.